Lord, you're done. For the night has cast a spell. All right, so today we are talking about the cheerful giver. We're in first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 through 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 through 9. And God loves a cheerful giver, or God takes pleasure in a cheerful giver. Now, I'm talking about giving, I'm talking about money, and I know, I know, this is not a fun topic to talk about in church because we have a lot of preconceptions. Oh, the church always just asks for money. Oh, oh, the church misuses its money, right? Oh, this and that. Oh, he's going to drive a Mercedes today out of here, right? Oh, they guilt you into giving money, right? Money's hard to talk about. I'm just going to put that up there for disclosure. I'm not going to have fun talking about this today. But it is in our passage. It is in 2 Corinthians. And Paul is calling the church to give. And so let's take a look at that uh, today. So we have five questions I want you to think about as you think about money and giving and giving of yourself. First, what motivates us to give? What motivates us to give? You can also think about what motivates you not to give, right? That could be a long plethora of motivations. But what motivates us to give? And we have both good motivations and bad motivations, right? So can we grow weary? This is the next one. Can we grow weary in giving? You bet. We can grow weary in giving, right? Especially if we have the wrong motives. Second, third question, how much do we give? Oh, we can have all kinds of debates about this. How much? How much do we give? This one is more of something for you to think about. Do you, we give in faith? Do you give in faith? Faith and trust in God. And then the last is why. Why give? Why do we give? So these are the five questions we're going over in the text. And the text uh, gets at these questions um, and, and begins to answer them. So let's go to the text. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1. Paul says, We want you to know, Corinthians, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. What has been given? What's it say? Grace. God's grace has been given. And it, this word will come up in different forms over ten times in these two, uh, these two chapters. So grace is a big... Uh, emphasis of Paul in this chapter, God's gift to us, grace to empower for us to change, for us to make it through the difficult problem that we're in, grace and favor that God looks not on uh, us in our sinful state and reckons us dead and, and sends us to, to the place of the dead, but he says, no, I love you, I've given my son for you, right? That indescribable gift of Christ's death resurrection for us that saves us, right? This is what this grace is. is. Verse 2, for, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord. 
begging us honestly for the favor, for the grace. That's that another time that word comes up, but it's translated favor. For the grace of taking part in the relief of the saints. And, thi and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of the Lord to us. So there is a sequence there, is your relationship vertically needs to be right with God to be able to give with right motives to the needs of others. Accordingly, we urge Titus that he, as Titus, that as he had stated, started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in, in knowledge, in all honestness, and in all love for you, see that you also in ex excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the honestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, that though he had equality with God, yet for your sake he became poor. He emptied himself and became a man and suffered death, even death on a cross for you and for me. That's the giving gift that God demonstrated to us. Why? So that by his poverty, by his death, we might become rich. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. I thought it advanced, but that's okay. So what motivates us to give? What motivates you to give? I want you to think about this. Now, I, I just, full disclosure here, whenever we do something, we have multiple motivations, right? So what I'm asking you is what's your dominant motive for giving, right? You know, growing up, I was raised, you give out of obedience and you give 10% because that's what God said in the Old Testament. And God said in Malachi, how dare you rob me, bring in the full tithe, full 10% into the house of God. So it's very, that was a wrong motive, by the way, to give. So we, we have healthy motivations for giving. The first motivation is God's grace given. Isn't that what it said? That he who was rich became poor so that he might make us rich, right? So God gave himself to us, and we, in turn, are to respond to that. So we have God's grace given. God loves me. Wow! Woo! That's a good thing, right? So now I want to give everything. I want to give my mind. I want to give my hands. I want to give my abilities. I want to give some of the monetary things that I own. I want to give my time, right? These are all things that are re in response to God's grace given. And it's a cheerful response to God. It's not, oh man, if I don't give this, then maybe they won't like me, or maybe God won't bless me. I better give him something. Right? Is that the attitude of giving? No, it's worship and giving because of what God has given us. Is it trying to buy back what God has given us? No, it's just gratitude. It's joy. Oh, God, 
you are so good, and you are so awesome, and I just want to worship you by giving to you. You see? So that cheerful response to God. And then a release to a need. Needs are real. I look around this room, and I see needs all over the place. I look around Pawpaw community, and I see needs all over the place. I look around Lee County, and I see needs all over the place. I look around the United States, and I see needs all over the place. I go look at third world countries, and I see needs all over the place. <laughs> right? There's need. So we give to fill needs. Right? Second Corinthians 8.10 says, And in this manner I give you my judgment. This benefits you. Who you know, a year ago started not only to do this work, but also to desire to do it. So a year ago, they had good intentions. We're going to give. You're good. Let's flip over to uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 1 through 4. What is he talking about a year ago? Well, this is what he's talking about a year ago. Now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed you to the churches of Galatia, so also are you to do. On the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, as he may prosper, so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those who, whom you accredited by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. They're making a collection for the poor in Jerusalem, for the poor saints. And if it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. Jump back to 2 Corinthians 8, verse 11. It says, so now finish doing it as well so that your readiness in desiring it may be matched by you all completing it out of what you have. For if, if, for if the readiness is there, it is acceptable according to what a person has, not according to what he does not have. For I do not mean that others should be eased and you be burdened, but that is a matter of fairness. Your abundance at the present, should, present time should supply their needs so that their abundance may supply your need, that there may be fairness. As it is written, whoever gathered much and had nothing left over, and whoever gathered little had no lack. You know, that last phrase is a quote from Exodus chapter 16. You remember the story? Manna fell down like snow. And they went out every morning and they had their baskets and they filled their baskets for what they needed for that day. Right? Remember that story? Then you remember that story of the, some of them who were like, I don't know if this will happen tomorrow. And I'm hungry. So they gathered a couple extra baskets. And what happened? The next day when they went to get that resource that they had away. Nothing wrong with squirreling stuff away sometimes, but what happened when they opened it? Yeah, it was nuggets. I guess they had some protein then, huh? Can we grow weary in well-doing? Can we grow weary in giving? You bet. But usually we grow weary in giving because we're giving not out of a cheerful space, not out of a gratitude space, but out of a legalistic space. We're giving for the wrong motives. So when we give for the wrong motives, one, 
we forget God's faithfulness. Right? We forget God's faithfulness. We forget that he's faithful to meet us in the need. That he, that he will provide abundantly for us in it. Second, we give out a guilt. I think a lot of us fall into that category. Somehow we think that we have to be good and on God's favor, be a good Christian, giving. And we better give a certain amount. And that's why we do it. And that's hard to get out of. But it's, it is a wrong motive for giving, guilt. There's now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Guilt is not a good motivator. We give to manipulate. <laughs> oh, well, this happens when people sometimes are like, well, I'll give, but you have to do exactly this with my money. Right? Or I'll give so that I can have say in what happens. Right? Manipulation. Sometimes manipulation is a motive in giving. Sometimes we give for accolades. I'm going to get my name, my plaque on this thing because I gave it to the church. And I want the recognition. Now I'm going to say I don't want the recognition, but in my heart I want the recognition. And if I don't get the recognition, then I'm grumpy. Ever have that? We give for accolades, for, for recognition. And the last two, and these are specifically brought up in this passage, we give reluctantly. Oh, man, if I have to, really? Okay, here's your, here's your money. I don't really want to make that pledge, but okay. Or we give under compulsion. <laughs> Pastor comes up to you, you know, we really need this building program, and, and I know you really want to mo- use your money for God, so, so you know, uh, give what you can. You can do it. I mean, we're trying to get to this $10,000 or $1 million more. Come on, you can do it. Let's pass the plate again. We're not there yet. Ever had that happen? That's terrible. We will never, ever, ever do that in this church. And if I do, I want somebody to throw a hymnal at me. Not a Bible, but a hymnal. I should never compel you or pressure you or peer pressure one another to give for the Lord. That's not good motives. What are our good motives? God's grace given. Cheerful response to grace given, right? And meeting a need in the body. But it has the needs that has those two force leading it. God has given so much to me. I just, I, I can't help but just give back. Not to pay him back, but just to say, I'm happy that I'm saved. I'm happy that God is working. Happy. Happy song. <laughs> Second Corinthians 9, 6 through 7. The point is this, Paul says. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. See the slide? What do we got on that slide? Some stuff. John. A corn planter, yes. And then what do we got up in the other side of the slide? We got both modern planting and ancient planting, right? They just tilled the ground and cast the seed. Now that corn planter, they know exactly how much seed they're putting in the ground, how exactly how far apart they're putting it, exactly how deep they're putting it down, right? But they are saying, we are investing in planting. And, and as a church, 
We need to be invested in giving, not out of compulsion, not reluctantly, but in response to God's grace given, his indescribable gift, right? That's our response. Well, seven, each one must give as he has decided in his heart. There it is, right there, black and white, or white, yeah, whatever. Each one has decided in his heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, for God loves, God takes pleasure in a cheerful giver. This is what giving is all about. It's not about a percentage. It's about responding to the grace given to you cheerfully to meet a need in the body. Amen. She's fine. I love it. She's happy. Just need to give us some more grace. So how much do we give? Oh, I have so many legalistic, so many debates on this. You know what? Old Testament, they gave 10%. New Testament, the rule is this. God has given us everything. God has given us his only son. We are to respond to that gift with cheerfulness and decide in our own hearts what he is calling us to give. That's the rule in the New Testament. Our response to God's grace. Now, if you want to give 10% in response to God's grace, booyah, right on, give it. If you want to give 20% in God's response to God's grace, booyah, awesome. If you want to give 2% because that's where you're at and that's how you can respond to God's grace, yeah, amen, I'm glad you're giving. Woo, 1%? Praise the Lord. I'm glad that you are responding to the grace of God. Did you know that if you take all the giving in the United States and you, you, you calculate it out, these math guys do, they say the average person of, uh, that, that the Christians give is 2%. 2%. And I would say that that is that low probably because they are giving for the wrong motives. When you give out of the gratitude in your heart for what Christ has done for you, and it's cheerful, and it's, it's just empowering, then the decision you make of what to give is great. Not maybe great in quantity, but great in effect. Right? Isn't that what happened with the Macedonians? They got great in quantity, but also great in effect. They were in a time of affliction. They were being pressed down, and yet they responded in generosity. Wow. That's what God's grace does to us. That's what the gift of God does. It brings cheer in dire circumstances. Second Corinthians 8, uh, 9, 8 through 11 says this. Oh, man. So we give, and we don't give under compulsion. We don't give reluctantly. We give cheerfully, and it says this. God is able. Say with me. God is able, amen, to make all grace, all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good 
walk, God is able. Giving begins a place where we grow in the grace and in the greatness of God. And I don't care what it is that you give. It's anything that you give, whether it's your time, whether it's your money. When you give that to God for the sake of the kingdom, for the glory of God, you begin to live and walk in the abundance that God has for you. Does that mean you won't have any problems? Absolutely not. Because God uses problems to bring you into the fullness of Christ. Verse 9. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. God is going to do what God is going to do for you for the world. He is concerned about the poor. He is concerned about your needs because his righteousness endures forever. Verse 10, he who supplies the seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of what? His righteousness? No, your righteousness. Giving puts you on a path to growing, growing in your fullness of Christ. So just give a little. Give what you can, not under compulsion, not because I'm telling you to, but because you love Jesus, and Jesus loves you. Verse 11 says, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Thank God for the givers. Thank God for the givers because they put The givers provide a place for us to even meet. You know, if nobody gave, this building would not be here. Did you know, uh, back in 1956, Wilma will probably correct my date, but 1956, a group of people, about 20 of them, came together, and they said, we want to have a church, and we want it to be a Bible church. And they started a church, and they gave generously, And in the gift of giving generously, we have this building in which they meet it, which we have then now met in for over 75, well, no, what? Almost 75 years. Wow. From their giving. And they weren't giving under compulsion, and they weren't giving reluctantly. They came together for the kingdom of God. And we, church, are doing the same. We're coming together for the kingdom of God. And we're giving for the kingdom of God. So I ask you, do we give in faith? Sometimes I'm like, I can't give anything, and that's okay. But I'm saying I can't give anything because I'm not trusting God. I'm thinking I've got to hang on to everything I have. And I don't want to let any of it go. It's a form of materialism. It's worshiping things rather than God. So do we have faith to say, okay, even though it's going to hurt, even though I'm going to have to give up my coffee, oh, my Lord, I'm going to give $3 today. In faith, knowing that God will provide me the coffee I need. Because he says, 
but I'm giving it in faith. I'm not giving it under compulsion. I'm giving it because he loves me. You know, talk about brainless. I got up this morning. I'm never a morning person. I'm getting ready. I go over to my Keurig, and I fill up my coffee mug that I always, you guys always see me with at the sink, and I dump my coffee mug into the sink. I pull out the old, the old pod, throw it away, put my mug in there, close it, hit hot, walk away, come back, ah, oh, coffee's ready. I start drinking it. I come over here, and I'm doing all the things I do Sunday morning. I'm just drinking this hot water. Drinking hot water. Oh, my word. That's a story that I'm not sure what the point is. That, but it was just probably on my mind. Sorry. Uh, shoot. The classic mistake. Um, God will provide me coffee soon. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. Right? And even though I messed it up and put no coffee in the maker and just drink hot water until the middle of the service, I'm like, this just tastes like stale coffee. What's going on? Um, <laughs> Oh, do we have faith? Do we have faith to know that God will meet us in the need? And are we willing to do like this with our things rather than this? You see? God will care for us. 9.12 says, the ministry of this service is not only for supplying of the needs of the saints, it definitely does that, but it is also the overflowing of many thanksgivings to God. I'm so thankful for this building. I'm so thankful for the missionaries that we support. I'm so thankful for the, the opportunity for us to gather together and encourage one another. So thankful for the Valentine bag that reached out and touched people in their, in their homes and in the nursing homes. By their approval of this service, they will what? What's it say there? Glorify God because of your submission that comes from your confession of the gospel of Christ. That giving of that submission comes from where? Thumb screws? God with a big hammer? What's it come from? It comes from the gospel. The gospel, the confession. Jesus is Lord to the glory of God. And from your generosity of your contribution for them and for all others. While they long for you and pray for you because of the suppressing grace upon you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for Jesus who's given us everything. And we respond to him with cheerfulness in giving to the needs of the body. That's what giving is all about. Isn't that cool? I hope that's a breath of fresh air to each and every single one of you. So why do we give? We give for the glory of God. We give for the glory of God. That's why I give. I know sometimes we give because we want an AC in the church. So sometimes we give because, and we get kind of confused. Those bad motives that I want AC in the church, no, I don't like sweating. 
and I want more people to be comfortable so they're not worried about being hot and they can listen to the message, right? But for the most part, I need to boil that down into my mind that this is for God's glory and for his honor. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things that you worry about will be added unto you. Right? Wow. What a, what a concept. Hard to, hard to maybe implement in some ways, isn't it? Right? So I just come back to this. What motivates you to give? Or not to give? I don't know who gives and who doesn't give. I, I choose to stay uh, uninformed about that. But just ask yourself, what is my motivation to give? And I just pray that you would begin to think about your motivation being God's grace given, cheerful response to the grace given, to meet a need. There's a sermon in just one sentence. Yeah, boiled it down to one sentence. Could have just read this to you and left. <laughs> I don't think you guys would have liked that, but you felt a little chipped. May God's grace motivate us to give for God's glory with joy the amount each decides in faith, knowing the Lord will provide. May God's grace motivate us to give for God's glory with joy the amount each decides in faith knowing the Lord will provide. Now we're going to pass the offerings like, no, I'm totally joking. <laughs> I'm joking. Let's pray. Father God, we, we come before you, and we know you take pleasure in cheerful givers, and we know that your grace has been given to us, and that giving of ourselves, giving of our monetary value, giving of our time just pleases you. And so we just ask that you would help us walk through the different motivations that we've struggled with, that, we'll, that we even have, that, that this is not going to go away in a day. And we pray that we'd be able to replace them with these three motivations. God's grace given, cheerful response to the grace given, and responding to a need with cheerful Oh, you're such a good God, and you love us so much, and we thank you that we can respond to you in the giving of ourselves. We just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stand.